so this is uh, April 5th today, right? Yeah. Uh, Delaware Online. Delaware Public Defender sets up tip line amid investigation into Millsboro police officer. Kind of a long headline, but he doesn't write those. So, Lex Wilson, our friend, Delaware News Journal. Delaware's Office of Defense Services, the state's public defender, put out a call Wednesday for tips related to, quote, suspicious encounters with Millsboro police officers. The call for information was prompted by Millsboro police acknowledging that one of their officers is under investigation for potentially, quote, tampering with drugs held by the department as evidence. Sounds bad. Chief Defender Kevin O'Connell, who runs the office, said news of, quote, possible drug use and, quote, evidence tampering by an officer is troubling and that substance abuse can lead to other work problems like, quote, dishonesty and stealing. He said that it is, quote, critical that any investigation into this matter be broad in scope. To that end, his office set up a tip line where individuals who have had a, quote, suspicious experience with the department can confidentially report the matter. Tips can be sent to odstipline at delaware.gov or 302-577-6031. Hello, comrades and friends. Uh, this is Rob here in the Highlands Bunker. Uh, our friend, super producer Carl, is here. Uh, fresh off a trip to um, Chicago, Illinois. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, there was a big progressive victory there just uh, yesterday. And Carl was just a little, little piece of that. Our guest tonight uh, is Doug Manley. Doug is running for the Christina School Board. And he has also been endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America, the Delaware chapter. And uh, he's, uh, he's a, a comrade and a friend of ours. Before we get to that, and Doug, thank you for coming, by the way. Before we get to that, at the end of this episode, we're going to talk maybe 20 minutes about this Dominion v. Fox situation that's happening downtown. Our, our senior legal correspondent, Bill Martin, is here. Greetings. GE Bill. GE? GE. Against my better judgment, we're going to probably be doing something with that. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, so, Doug, uh, the first thing I always ask people, because I'm always interested, is just your background. Like, where did you grow up? What was it like? And, um, yeah, how does it sort of, um, how did it sort of point you in a direction of just being sort of uh, civically involved? So I describe myself as a super Delawarean. So I grew up in uh, Brandywine Springs Manor, which is off of Falkland Road. And I had the kind of parents where if something was five minutes away, it was okay. 10 minutes, you know, they give you a look. 20 minutes away, you know, we're gonna have to schedule that, you know, maybe a couple of weeks in advance. Anything more than that, there's just no way it's happening. 
you know, why would you go anywhere more than 10 minutes away in 20 minutes? There's an Acme nearby. What are you doing? So I grew up here, uh, went to University of Delaware for computer science, got a degree in that, started working for software companies right out of college, had a good time, uh, got in at Sev1 on the ground floor. Uh, they got bought by Bain Capital. It turned into a giant mess. Sued them on the way out. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, I've just been hopping to small software companies for the last few years. About 10 years ago, I joined Mill Creek Fire Company as a volunteer firefighter, thus beginning my uh, success with unpaid public service. So I got into that. One of the guys at work was a firefighter. He kept bugging me like, hey, you got you know, you to join. You got to join. You're going to love it. Fine. You know what? I have a little bit of free time. Why not? So I joined, and it's one of those things that, like, once you once you join a fire company, it's really hard to unjoin a fire company. Once you're in, you're in. It's you know, it's like, hey, you wanna you wanna stop saving lives for a little bit? You're like, mm, I I guess I guess I'll stay. You're right. And so, uh, you know, tried to just sit in the back of the truck, rescue cats from trees, do you know, do the stuff that that's easy, but didn't work out that way. And so after a few years, I made my way to the board. And just uh, this past year, so end of December, I got elected as president of the fire company. So now I am president of Mill Creek Fire Company. And uh, some other stuff I've done. I was president of Green Valley Civic Association when I lived there. I was on the board of Cotswold Hills Homeowners Association, I think, for a year when we moved there. And now I'm going for school board. So you're just you're civically engaged. You have the full Delaware experience because you did you did the university. You grew up here, which I did as well. I went to St. Mark, so I'm familiar with the, like the, that the area you're talking about. Um, you know, you went to the University of Delaware. I did too. You went into like professional sort of work. I did too. So I I get that. Like I I, I completely sort of see that trajectory. Um, I'm interested in there's a and, and I don't know if you have a story about it or maybe you don't. Uh, I have a friend in Sussex County, uh, Claire Snyderhall. She uh, works for Common uh, it's Common Cause, Common Cause Delaware. It's a Delaware chapter. Um, she wrote a book <coughs> that's uh, part memoir, part like political philosophy. And she tells a story in it that we sort of excerpted for the call about this heated discussion she had at the home of a supporter, you remember this? Yeah. yeah. Who sort of turns on her. Um, she's getting ready to run for political office. You probably felt a certain kind of way about this, actually. It probably hit you a little different than some people. It felt familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, different, for different reasons. But um, So they, they have this argument that uh, Claire reports in her book. We excerpted in the call. It's called Ambush at the Farm. And through this back and forth, you kind of see like this politically connected Sussex County sort of affluent person um, go through all the Delaware way things about like, why are you doing this? Why are you challenging this person? You're not even from here. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but the one thing that uh, they say very early is, why don't you run for school board? And they use that as like a, as I, I don't even know. I, I have I, tr I have trouble sort of uh, describing what they really mean, and I don't know whether they mean that 
you can't do any harm there or we're trying to move you away. I don't believe that, but I'm, I don't, I want to know whether you are sort of familiar with that sort of lore here in Delaware, what you make of it. Uh, and also like what motivated you f- to, to run for school board. The, uh, the famous school board to governor progression, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am loosely familiar. So my wife is Luandi Agostino. She ran for state rep in 2020, and then we got smashed by the pandemic. Uh, so that didn't go so hot. But one of the things they said to her afterward was like, why don't you go for school board? She's like, I don't want to go for school board. I want to change, you know, the sets of laws that I'm interested in, the areas that, you know, motivated me to run in the first place. That's what I want to do. I don't want to do school board. I don't want to do county council. I'm not interested in zoning. I'm interested in this. But, you know, people just think, oh, first step is school board. I mean, it makes sense. So uh, Christina School District, which is where I'm running, has, I want to say, like, potentially 80,000 voters in it. And of those, on a typical election, we'll get somewhere between 1,000 and 3,000 people to show up. So... You know, if you're looking to get something, school board's probably the lowest barrier. If you're just, if you know, if you're not trying to unseat an incumbent, if it's an open seat, you know, you're maybe looking at coin flip territory with, you know, who's going to vote, who's coming in, how much do they know? I know the last school board race, which was, I think, two years ago, was we had a contested one. You know, none of the candidates had any kind of information online that we could find. And so you're kind of just running in the dark. If you're not super plugged in, you don't have much to work with. And yeah, sure. You know, you got a shot at it. Yeah. I mean, our, our school board uh, elections are, are sort of nonpartisan, quote unquote. But obviously there's always like uh, factions. So, you know, it's sort of silly that we pretend like there's no there's, fa- <laughs> there's factions, whether you call them that or don't. Like you can you can pretend or, or not like it's fine. But um <clears throat> Are, is is Christina dealing with the kind of sort of uh, factional struggle that we're familiar with, like, in the regular media? Like, I don't know. Here's the thing about me, and I think I've mentioned this before. Like, I don't have kids. I've never really gotten involved in school, public school politics, except for just making sure that you always support labor over management, and you always try to get more money for the public schools. And you absolutely, under every circumstance, oppose every charter school there ever was. And private schools. But other than that, like the everyday grind of like going to the meeting and listening, I don't know whether Christina, for example, has hot button issues where you have reactionary parents coming about, you know, critical race theory and, you know, making your kids gay or whatever um or whether there's other stuff going on like is there is are are you in embroiled in sort of that that left right thing (laughs) or are you trying to do something a little more uh, refined uh so to the best of my knowledge christina has so far been spared the circus that we've seen nationally but i wouldn't be surprised if over the next few years it makes its way to delaware and it finds its way to christina it's one of those things, you know, you can you can mobilize your Facebook warriors, have them show up at meetings and yell things and say things. And, you know, you don't need much, 
much on the ground support to get, you know, a little news article about it. We're small Delaware. You know, if you have one person make a big stink at a meeting, chances are you'll get a good write-up and then maybe we'll get some more. I'm hoping it doesn't come to that. But I think that's the kind of thing we could have. But no, to my knowledge, I think Christina's pretty chill. We're recovering from, um, I guess, like a bad taste in everybody's mouth. There were some issues maybe like 10, 20 years ago uh, related to finances. The school district ended up having to get a loan from the state. It paid it back. It paid it back early. But a lot of people just have in their minds that, you know, Christina School District is, you know, bad with this, bad with that. And it's like, you know, they're doing the best they can. And, you know, if you guys want to chat about public funding, we can chat about public funding for the next couple of hours. Yeah, I mean, I didn't uh, I didn't go all the way, but I, I might as well just say what I support is the, the people who send their kids to private schools, Tower Hill, Tattnall, Friends, Sanford, whatever. Uh, might have missed one. They should have to pay luxury tax to the public schools. Um and, you know, maybe you can talk about what the level of tuition is to what you pay. But, yeah, it's a it's a real um, it's a it's sort of a behind the scenes sort of grotesque thing that goes on where people take advantage of low taxes to send their kids to very elite schools and then badmouth the schools that they're literally like objectively underfunding by what they're doing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm. I think that's like a, at least being able to say that is a starting point for, for where I, I, you know, I think we're at. Um, I'm going to ask you one sort of, I'm going to make it specific, but wonder if you have some sort of uh, idea about it, and then we'll get into like the deeper stuff. There was a big issue with the lead in the water in the schools. And there wasn't a lot of oversight because... And I don't even know whether I don't know what kind of oversight the board would have had with the, uh, you know, the health and human services and with the education department. I don't even know. I did have people in here and talk about it from the Red Clay, um, Jose Matthews, and I've talked to uh, Colonial uh, folks about it too. Is there a is that going to be is things like that like environmental stuff and infrastructure stuff going to be top of mind or are are there or is it you know i guess i'm trying to ask you whether that's going to be top of mind really because i've also heard that you know there's issues with air quality in the schools i'm talking to somebody who's working stuff about up about that are these issues that you're you're tracking at all are these coming up in, the, in or 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 no. So lead in the water, obviously, we had a lot of press, you know, here in Delaware about that over the last couple of months. And, you know, this is going to everything's just always going to come back in this conversation to public funding and state requirements and the responsibility of the state. But, you know, like the, the phrase that I like that someone said was, you know, the school district, you know, the school board didn't put the lead in the water. You know, no one went in and dumped a bunch of lead in there. What happened was we have super old infrastructure and we do not have, as a district, the funding to replace any. I mean, you got to tear out, you know, who knows how many pipes, bust up all kinds of school stuff. The buildings are way older than I am. I think we only have like one building that is even comparable to my age right now. 
and I think we're building another one. But you know, the majority of these buildings are just old. I went to charter school at Wilmington for uh, high school, and so that used to be the old Wilmington High. But you know, I remember every day walking through the hallway, and there would be those giant, you know, industrial trash cans, just filled with water dripping from the uh, ceiling leaking. And you know, as great a school charter was, and as you know, wonderful things everybody has to say about it the building was still leaking and falling apart. And that's, you know, pretty much everywhere here. You know, we've got to get the big investment from the state and then maybe some from the county to really come in, take this stuff seriously and, you know, build some modern buildings. We can't just keep, you know, dealing with what we have over and over. These things are going to be 100 years old at some point. Yeah, and I think that's where my concern is. I think that's exactly, exactly right. I um, I've been tracking these two bills that have been going through the legislature. SB sixty and SB sixty one. And they're education bills. SB sixty, real simple. It was like let's give the teachers uh, a little more leeway and personal time they can take for civic, uh, civic reasons, jury duty, subpoena stuff like that. And SB sixty one is to give them an extra two days of personal time. The way teachers get personal time is uh, for every month they work during the year, which is 10, they get a one sick day, 10 a year. That goes, that they just bank that. And it carries over and carries over. So three years you have 30, et cetera. And during the year, for different reasons, you can take personal days. They're having trouble retaining quality teachers. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with having a global pandemic. Uh, but these teachers have been like in a high stress sort of situation. So they're trying to pass these bills. The only sort of pushback in the entire state has been three sort of cohorts. The Delaware Association of School Administrators, DASA, it's about 525 school administrators. The superintendents, which there are, I think, 19 of them. The guy that speaks for them is the superintendent for Woodbridge. I forget his name. He's called the chief of the chiefs. And the third one uh, is the guy who speaks for the school boards. Now, it's interesting because when he speaks at the committee hearings, he'll say, we're speaking for 17 of the 19 school boards because I assume Red Clay tells him to go fuck off, at least. So that's one. Um but it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic, and without saying too much more about this uh, reporting, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like consternation, um, in the House now about this bill. Now it passed the Senate twenty nil. Every GOP senator, which were there four, <laughs> whatever there are, um, uh, except for one, one was absent. But it, it passed. So so really, at this point, we're talking about House Republicans and special interests that represent probably less than 1,000 people. Actually, less than 700 people. And I wonder how, and maybe you can speak to this from a school board level if you know, how school boards, and I know I mentioned Red Clay. Red Clay's been very good about trying to go 
trying to be a little more a board that it would advocate. You know what I mean? Like a board that will step out and say, "We're gonna, we're gonna send a letter to the EPA about the lead in the water," basically like that. What's your take on that? Do you think school boards have a have a um, have a role in sort of lobbying the legislature like that? And if they if if they do, is it like that they're doing now, where they're with management, or should they be looking at? Um, the labor side of it, or should they be? How should they be handling it? If you think they have a sort of a role in that, in that legislative game? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, a school board member, you know, is I guess slightly more special than any other normal constituent. You know, we get a we get a fancy elected title, but you know, if you're not advocating for the children in the district, you know, what are you doing? And so you brought up these two bills, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use this to transition into another one of my favorite topics. Are you familiar with the term bike shedding? All right. So uh, this was this was explained to me one time. So uh, imagine you're you know your company you're gonna build a new nuclear power plant. So there's a lot that's gonna go into that. You need to design everything. You got your reactors. There's a lot of stuff going on, and it can be hard to start. But at some point, you're going to need a bike shed. You guys can roll up, park the little bikes, lock them in, and everybody can talk about that bike shed. We can have opinions on the color, the size, what direction it's facing, what kind of roof do we have, do we need a sidewalk, like should we have a little sign on it? And so people just get like super roped into this minuscule detail, but it's a minuscule detail that everybody understands and everybody can talk about. And, you know, we lose the important things, the big thing, the nuclear power plant we were trying to build. And as you were describing these bills to me, that's what I heard. You know, the state's like, oh, you know, we have this problem with, you know, teacher retention and education. Ah, what could we do? I guess we could mess with sick days a little bit. And apparently we're still, so apparently we're having issues with this, that we can't even get this itty bitty thing done right away. And, you know, we'll fight about this. We'll make it a left versus right thing. It'll be a big thing and we'll have votes. And, you know, all they're doing is dodging the important question, which is how are we going to raise the proper public funds to do the work that we know needs to be done? And every year that goes by, the next set of work is just going to be more expensive. These buildings keep getting older. The problems, we're just going to keep finding more. And at some point, the state needs to pony up and just say, okay, we're going to build some new schools. We're going to take care of all this. And, you know, I just see them punting and punting and punting. You know, let's fix a vacation day here. You know, yeah, that's, I, I, you know, I, is this the Delaware way? Well, here's what I'll say. Um, I think you're right in, 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 in most of that. And, like, these guys probably know. I know Carl does. Because I've been sort of tracking this for a few weeks, like maybe a month, talking to people who are sort of involved in these two bills that are going through the legislature. And... Like, even comrades of mine and people who do political organizing and all of this kind of stuff, uh, and community organizing, nobody really, it's not a big, it's not on their radar, you know. It is sort of like, uh, I don't know how you put it, but like, focusing on all of the stuff over here where people are going to lock up their bikes. I think that's right, because that's the reaction I'm getting from everybody, and I think that's probably correct. <clears throat> what I will say about the Delaware Way is this. 
It is, I think, important to note that very small cohorts of what we would call stakeholders can interrupt what would be a pretty simple thing about, like, let's just let teachers have a little more flexibility in their sick time, basically. So I I actually think that that is the Delaware Way lesson. But to your point about funding, less sort of like political thing. Earlier in March, it's first or second week in March, the committee who reviews teacher compensation was going to vote on, on having a minimum starting salary for teachers in Delaware for this retention reason, same thing. It's going to be 60 grand, of which the state was going to cover like 42, something like that, two-thirds, a little over two-thirds. And they wanted to do it in three years. And they said, no, we got to do it in four years. So the Carney administration pushed back and were like, no, no, we can't do that. We don't have the money for that. And I think that goes to your point, like, we, we got to stop doing that. Like, this is a very, this, this, is a, this is a thing we should be looking to figure out how to get money into, not save money from. And I'm, you know, I'm discouraged because of, basically because of what they've done for the pensioners' health care and made it Medicare Advantage, that this group of individuals in the, in the Carney administration want to look at these things as ways to, like, trim the fat, not build more schools, not fix the plumbing, uh, not make sure teachers are compensated properly, all that. And so, yeah, I I think you're right about that. I mean, I I, I hope that from a school board position it's something you can advocate for because I think it's extremely important. You can comment on that if you want. (laughs) (laughs) my my brain drifted off to i i feel like i'm the only one who talks about this uh so what was it like a couple of years ago we had extra pandemic money and we decided to just cut everybody a $300 check what was that came out to what like it's like what 300 million dollars yeah it was something it. we could do yeah. it did it whatever it was we 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 did it we did it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that is a decent chunk of money and this state decided like you know what instead of doing something with like 300 million that's a couple of new schools that's a decent teacher raise you know ah eh, screw it let's just give it to everybody like i it's stuff like that, well, that here's just what i'll me say nuts. i think we could do both Here's why. I was just talking about this to a <laughs> an administrator in the Votech system, we'll say. Uh, I love you, Frank. Um, we were talking about this very thing. And that $300 tax credit extrapolated out over the whole country. Because the whole country, it was a federal thing, actually. Everybody got that. Uh, actually, over the... 18 months or whatever, or two years, however long they did it, actually, in that short period of time, decreased child poverty by 40%, almost 50, something in there, between 40 and 50. And we don't do that anymore. We decided we're not going to do that anymore because, I guess, COVID's over so poor kids can be poor again. I guess I don't know. So it's not a question of, I don't think it's a question of A or B. 
it's a question of whether we're going to run it like we think we're running a business or run it like we think we're running like a society. Uh, I vote for the second one. Thank yeah. I think I mean I think presented like that everybody would. Also, right? just a clarification: you're talking about the child tax credit, which was a federal policy, and Doug was talking about the one-time three hundred dollar check that the state of Delaware oh. sent out. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The three hundred threw me off. I apologize. I didn't. I didn't mean to comp- conflate the two. Thank you, Carl. Carl is our uh, our fact checker, super producer, and fact checker. Carl, yeah, he always does well, federalist. That. <laughs> yeah, but I think yeah. No, thank you because I do know the difference, but it it didn't register with me when you said that. Um, so I'm I'm actually okay. I don't I don't think. So now that I uh, we're clear, I don't think that the decision to 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 pay that out one time based on this funds should have had any. Uh, one shouldn't have been contingent upon the other. Like I think we need to look at doing all of it. We shouldn't be looking at it like the way we would run the marketing department at a tech startup, or the way that we would run risk management at a bank, or the way like that's because that's not what we're doing. You know, we're trying to get kids educated and fed and safe and all of that stuff, and pensioners like get their medical care. It's a whole it's a whole different sort of outlook. And uh, I'm glad people share it, actually. So here's the last thing we can talk about education. <clears throat> I wore my colors today for a reason. Yesterday, uh, there was a big sort of electoral victory, which we don't get to talk about very much. <laughs> we don't get that. Like, it's, like a, it's almost like a shock. It's like, oh, my God, I got to do this electoral victory. Uh, I mentioned that Super Producer Carl had gone out uh, to the Windy City, uh, land of stockyards and the jungle and Upton Sinclair, um, to get uh, to 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 advocate for a mayoral candidate who I thought really didn't have much of a chance. Uh, but now uh, our boy Brandon is going to be the mayor of uh, of Chicago, and uh, he. His background, his profession, is is a teacher. Uh, just last week, unfortunately, and again, I'm not going to sit here and stand for like democratic politicians. Uh, but Jamal Bowman sort of stood up and 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 did a rant uh, inside the uh, inside the Congress, started giving people the business, which again, I love confrontation, so I love that stuff. And and again, what what's his motivation? He was a teacher. You know, I, I, I've written a couple things for the call lately that have been sort of like education oriented. I don't even know anything about education. I don't have any kids. I'm interested in what you're doing. But because, because it, it, it fits that sort of, uh, if, it, if that's our project. You know, if, 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 if educating kids and feeding kids and, and worrying about you know, what kids are doing isn't, like, a, a, a cornerstone of our project, then nothing is, which is just fucking give up. And that, uh, that brings me to one of the other things that I, I try to talk about when, when people will let me talk, which is, uh, so, you know, you mentioned you don't have kids. I don't either. And, you know, a decent chunk of the community, you know, doesn't have kids. And I think what happens is that, you know, we just kind of assume, oh, you know, the adults will take care of it. 
And, you know, every day that goes by in my life, I realize more and more that, you know, there are no adults to take care of anything. It's just us. You know, it's you, me, everybody here. We are all the adults trying to move this ship together. And, you know, for too long, we're just kind of like, oh, I don't have kids. You know, I don't care. Well, you know, you saw those school board numbers. A thousand people vote in an election for school board. That's like two neighborhoods worth of people that ultimately show up to drive something that is tens of thousands of people will be infe- uh, will be affected by. That is nuts. And, you know, as a community, we need to really take this project seriously. You know, so kids getting educated isn't just about your kids getting educated. It is about making sure that the state of Delaware continues to grow, continues to provide for its people and continues to, you know, put forth successful individuals that can, you know, go into the world and work and play and do whatever else they want to do in life. They could start a podcast. I don't recommend that. <laughs> Actually, Not within uh, a 10 mile radius. <laughs> yeah, everybody has a non-compete. <laughs> Bob is your first. <laughs> uh, Doug, you said something about, you know, very, very wise, which is, you know, we're waiting for the adults in the room to do something. And then, you know, holy cow, we realize there either are no adults here or we're going to have to be the adults. And, and I wanted to ask you about the expression, just like school board hearing. Like I kind of, it's like a loaded thing right now. And I think, you know, it has been probably for a lot of our adult lives. You know, we've been through like satanic panics and witchcraft scares and banned books. So I know that a lot of the sort of fury at these places at the school board hearings nationwide really isn't anything new how would you approach that like was that something you you would like enjoy participating in kind of like putting on that thick skin and and you know really hashing it out with some with some disgruntled parents (laughs) so uh so i will a point of order uh so the the school board has at its meetings a public and a private part. So the private part we handle, um, you know, salary things, workforce related things, all that kind of fun stuff. And then it'll exit the private part, which is called executive session. And then they'll go into the public part of the meeting. They'll vote on the items that they covered there, do the rest of the business that the school board has to do. And then one component is public comment. And the way public comment is structured is that the public is allowed to just comment. And I think that's kind of where we get into, you know, what you're talking about, where it's like, you know, you know, do you want to duke it out with these people? And it's like, well, it's public comment time. It's their time to just come and say whatever they want. And, you know, you don't want to interrupt that. That is, you know, you get like a minute or two tops. But the school board, I think, does have a responsibility, you know, after that, you know, maybe not at the meeting, but, you know, to put out some kind of communication like, hey, you know, we've had concerns about this and here is why, you know, we think they're unfounded or here's what we're doing to address the uh, the actual concern that we've identified. And going back to the earlier point about people without children in the system, I know in my case, I only ever hear about school board stuff or school district stuff when there's a referendum. And it's usually from people that want the referendum voted down because they have the money to print all kinds of nasty things and get them mailed out. 
you know, the school board is, you know, it's got a budget, it's set its stuff up. It doesn't really allocate a whole bunch of money for comms to everybody. And I think that's something we could probably do a little bit better with. You know, when was the last time your school board sent you absolutely anything about what's going on in the district, what's going well, what kind of services are offered? You know, the school system has all kinds of cool programs. There's some stuff that, like, I know in Christina we have a program called Networks where the kids, you know, do some prep work for, you know, careers in printing and auto work and um, uh, tailoring and stuff like that. And so you can have them print things for you. You can have them do embroidery. And that is a service that the public can utilize and the costs are reasonable. But, you know, I bet you didn't know about that. I certainly didn't know until somebody told me. And, you know, that is probably a failing of the school board trying to get this information out. You know, it's got to be an active thing and it has to be all the time. And so I think, you know, what we're going to come to from, you know, what you were talking about with public comment, I think we really need to get better at having the school board communicate with the public at large on what's going on and so that people can, one, understand it, but two, feel reassured that, you know, the scary things they see on Facebook aren't real. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, it is like, just pure like spectacle. A, yeah, like you're you're part of a thing, and we appreciate what you're doing, uh, but, uh, you know, either it has merit you know, we listen to you and it either has merit or it doesn't. But I think it's important to, to say both, sort of like you said, communicate as much as you can. So you're getting public comment about this thing that's, you know, sort of a QAnon conspiracy. And you're like, no, actually, the vaccine's good. And that's why we can all like go do stuff now. Uh, but on the other hand, there's other things that we should look into, sort of like I was talking about before, you know, uh, water quality, air quality in the schools, uh, you know, infrastructure, that type of thing. And so, yeah, I mean, if if you're addressing that and making that a, not just taking the public comment, but using that as a sort of a, a function of communication all the time, as a back and forth, I think that's 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 dope. So here's what we're gonna do, folks. We're gonna slide quickly into something a little fun. We're gonna give you a little teaser. Some of it you're gonna like because we are covering this. We're gonna cover this garbage. Uh, but we're going to cover a little bit behind a paywall, so some of you, some of you little piggies, going to have to pay for it. But uh, Bill and I are going to talk about sort of our plans for this Dominion v. Fox uh, situation. Um, stick with us; it'll be fun. Everybody's begging for this. For, for, for weeks, I've been hearing this thing. Oh, I hope you guys cover this Dominion Fox trial. I don't want to know it. We got this big award from Medina about our Kathy v. Kathy coverage. And, yeah, was it great? Yes, it was great. I'm still riding high. I'm pretty, I'm riding high. Do you see me? Yeah, so you still can put yeah. it up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. <clears throat> Here's the thing about Dominion v. Fox. Everybody, and you know, you got, uh, you got HuffPo. You got WoPo. You got, uh, you got LA Times. You got the, the Financial Times. You got the Daily Times. You got, you know. Waggle on Substack. Waggle, you got Substackers. You know, you got NPR. You got David Falkenflick. You know, you got Carl Baker. 
I'm like, I just wasn't, you know. Rachel Sawicki, Lex Wilson. Lex Wilson, (laughs) right. Exactly. All these people. You have, uh, I'm trying to think of who did the trials, like who did the OJ trial. Like, you have the people, you have Court TV. Yeah. The OJ trial. (laughs) Um, So, like, that dynamic was a real, like, turnoff for me. So about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, uh, we're out having dinner at a friend's place. Actually, at the original bunker at Burton Loretta's. We're having a little little curry. And we're talking about it, Lex and I. And he said, uh, I told him that I didn't want to do it. And he said, well, you know, I feel you on that. However, consider this. Consider you run into Lou Dobbs from Fox at the counter at the Subway Sandwich Shop in the courthouse basement, the new one. And he's buying a cookie, an oversized chocolate chip cookie. What do you ask him? And I said, Jesus Christ, that's a great question. We got to cover this trial. That, yeah, we got to cover this trial in some fashion. So look, we've contacted Sean O. We're in the know. I can tell you that based on what we know already, it's going to be an absolute fucking circus. Uh, Bill, I know you've gone over some of the documents. Do you want to give us like a little bit of a preview of the case as it stands and I'll sort of talk about what we've talked about to sort of cover it? Sure. Um, I also, I was not super familiar with this. I've it's a it's a compelling like defamation case i think but I, because it involves just annoying fox news personalities i've kind of tuned a lot of it out but so basically when the steal was happening and uh i am going to call it the steal correct uh and i guess what was that november 2020 uh this voting machine company i want to say they're like a top 5 nationwide voting company dominion yeah uh they really drew the ire of uh Trump and like a lot of Fox personalities, both like from the news end of their spectrum and I guess the more opinion end of the spectrum. Because it's owned by George Soros. <sighs> like, sure. <laughs> I'm sure he's got he's got a finger on it somewhere. Sure. Sure. I, mean, they, they, I think they had like Hungarian trooper, paratroopers came and stole the machines. <laughs> sure. Something like that. I yeah. Think. But so, I mean, this poor voting machine company was criticized night after night. And, you know, their argument is basically they have tarnished our reputation so much we're never going to be able to sell these effing voting machines again. <laughs> like, especially in a red state. Like, because, because you know, a Trump-backed red state is going to hold a grudge. Dominion is like, you know, it's like Dominion, Hunter. It's like these just, these words that you hear just over yeah, and over they're just again. In the, they're, they're, in, they're, they're, they're mumbled by uh, some of our most normal friends and, and family members. Um, so it's a cool case. I guess uh, for it was filed in Delaware Superior Court as a civil matter, because uh, I believe Dominion itself and then Fox and the Fox News like affiliate entities were all incorporated, either as LLCs or as like C-Corps here in, in the state of Delaware. So that gives jurisdiction. That's why it's being brought here. And it's going to be, you know, it's not one of the big corporate law cases that like the Chancery Court or the Supreme Court has heard over the years. There was one 
in the mid 2000s involving Disney shareholders. That was that actually took place down in Georgetown. Rob, can you imagine taking that trip every day? I can actually because of what we've already done. I think so you, I can't imagine uh, it. I don't want to do. I'd it. be yeah scrounging for gas money. We'd be we'd be staying down. <laughs> I think we'd have we'd to be staying down like Felton. So yeah, we get an Find Airbnb. An Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so that's why it's in Superior Court, and there've been, I guess, the most recent, the most recent uh, opinion by the judge was kind of groundbreaking. So basically, the the elements of this case involve Dominion proving that Fox basically deliberately spread falsehoods about its product, and the standard under this case is uh, with malice. That's basically they know they knew that what they were saying was false, or they just like completely uh, negligently disregarded the ver- you know anything, and they just you know published falsehoods willy nilly. Yeah, and I think what people have seen sort of in the news is that um, you know they've done discovery on like text messages and emails and stuff, and all of your favorite. All of your favorite reactionary nitwits are like, "Yeah, Trump's a douchebag. Mm-hmm. This is all go- goofy." But we have to like we have to play this up because of the stock price, basically, and we have to go out there and f- just roll with it. And so, you know, it, it is compelling in that sense because everything that people say about this kind of media is actually true. They're proving that it's true. Yeah. The question is whether or not. Uh, you know, Dominion has taken a, a loss, you know, a reputational, you know, loss that you can put a fucking number on. Yeah. Now, you know, maybe they have. I don't know. Yeah, that's so that's the that'll be the thing. It's I think it's um, it's going to involve because the single issue is going to be basically going through the text messages, the emails. You know, I think Tucker is just like Donald Trump is is disgusting. Like, you know. They're very mad at Donald. Um, yeah. So it's like there's kind of this, I guess, like hypocrisy angle that I think people will get. You know, MSNBC watchers will will kind of this will rock their socks because there's a lot of you know yeah. stuff behind the scenes that looks embarrassing for these Fox personalities, all of whom may testify, which is great. Which is why I think we it's, may see Lou Dobbs in the subway yeah. buying a cookie. That's something that could happen. Yeah, we can approach Jesse Waters with a microphone. We and, could and ask him something cool, like uh, how many genders are there? <laughs> yeah, what is a man? Yeah, what is a man? Um, yeah, so so this and this is a great segue into what we're we're thinking about doing. So, I don't know if I have it in me to go down there every day. It's going to be a real, a, a, you know, a, a real mess. Um, but I think there is value into going down and, uh, you know, taking our our special Gonzo approach to it to sort of um, talk about the larger sort of the larger story, if you want to say, like, you know, does Tucker Carlson break character? You know, does Lou Dobbs like hot dogs? (laughs) We don't, we don't know these kind of things. And, and I also think there's going to be an interesting Thing and maybe we'll just leave it at this. What do you think about this idea of like we always talk about Wilmington? You know, you go downtown. We're from here, so it's like we're from Delaware. But we have all of these sort of like media sort of personalities, we'll say, that you see their bylines. And frankly, I can tell you, folks, that they're all coming. I mean, it seems like there's going to be a, a you know we're going to be inundated like with locusts. 
uh, and I wonder, like, if we can talk to some people and be like, hey, did you get a, did you get a steak at Bardea? You know, hey, uh, did you go to Chancery Food Court? Hey, why don't you come? Uh, why don't you come to Nomad? I'll buy you a few shots, and like, I'll just leave them on Orange Street. You know, it's like they don't know where they even know where they are. Like stuff like that could be pretty funny, I think. So, the one I have some plans. We'll just say that. Um, some of it uh, we'll release to you. Some of it we're gonna do like patrons only stuff as we've done before, and um, we're gonna we're gonna have fun with it. I think. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm. You know, I can get used to this every summer. Just there's like a uh, big bad trial rolls through town. Yeah, there's like a, there's the trial of the century, the Lindbergh. Yeah, there's the Lindbergh, just a new baby. trial of the century yeah, the, every summer. Yeah, Bruno Bruno Houtman is uh, is on trial for kidnapping the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> um, yeah, it is kind of weird. It's another summer sort of summertime sort of sort of deal. And this one actually, I I don't know, but I haven't re- read as much. I mean, Judge Davis just put out like a hundred and. 20 page ruling on a bunch of stuff yeah. um, uh, that were that was sort of like, hey, I got to rule on these motions before the trial, which basically just said we're, we're moving forward. Uh, people, if, if you want to subpoena people, they're coming, which again, the thing about like Rupert Murdoch getting wheeled into the, the Leonard Williams uh, uh, courthouse downtown is pretty funny. Yeah, and it's pretty likely too. Yeah, it is pretty likely. I mean, yeah. Judge Davis seemed pretty adamant that like, this guy's going on holidays and stuff, and he can come down here and fucking testify. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can you imagine we're trying to... <laughs> I just think, like, we're walking up to the Queen. Rupert Murdoch's like, where's my fucking car? <laughs> this is like fucking succession, you know? It's like uh, fucking Logan Roy. Kick him out into the fucking street. I won't do that. This is all satire, by the way. I would never do anything like that. <laughs> so I want to be—I want to be extremely clear about that. So we got a lot of, we got we got cool stuff coming up. Um, some will be uh, important stuff, like school board stuff, and some will be making fun of um, some of the worst um, degenerative uh, media that you can think of. But uh, either way, we'll be here. Highlands Bunker, Patreon.com/slash The Highlands Bunker, at Highlands Bunker on Twitter. Hit us up. Doug, thank you very much for coming. Thanks for having me. Yep, Christina School Board. We're going we're gonna, to uh, link to everything. I say we again. Carl will link to everything <laughs> underneath. All of the things that you need will be there. Um, we'll speak to you soon, everybody. Left is best. 